Trump administration gave agencies a push in the right direction earlier this year when it signed an executive order to refocus efforts on artificial intelligence research. Now the White House is looking to roll out the next wave of federal AI policy. That guidance will look at ways to get more than a dozen different research agencies working together more closely on AI developments. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. Everywhere you look, agencies are using AI pilots to transform the way they do business. Those pilots cover everything from getting data in the hands of federal first responders faster to catching fraud, waste, and abuse to speeding up detection of cyber vulnerabilities. But now agencies are taking the next step and scaling up those pilots for wider use. But in order for those pilots to succeed, they need access to lots of good quality data. Later this month, the Office of Management and Budget is expected to release its final draft of the one-year action plan of the federal data strategy. Federal Chief Information Officer Suzette Kent, speaking at NVIDIA's GTC conference, said OMB got more than 600 comments on the first draft it released in June. She said the final draft will focus on use cases for geospatial data. It will also look at ways that federal data can support private sector research in AI. Industry has specifically asked for healthcare data as well as data for autonomous vehicles. For the next phase of AI in government, Kent said agencies will have to be more collaborative with each other. It's unlike other technologies where maybe a thin, narrow band, maybe the acquisition and the IT community worked with it, or maybe the human capital community and the financial management community. But that is not the same. We have to collaborate. And what's been really important also from agencies moving out of pilots is, okay, I, now I, can, I know how to solve this problem. I have a capability I can use. How do I operationalize it and scale it? And that's some of the big challenges that we are dealing with now collectively across the community is as we're building the muscles, um, we've got usable data, and now we have outcomes that we're pretty excited about. How do we make that part of our business processes? And that's the harder work because that crosses communities and silos and agencies. Other administration officials agree that more coordination is needed. Michael Kratzios is the U.S. Chief Technology Officer. He said the U.S. has had an advantage in AI research because of what he called its innovation ecosystem. That ecosystem includes R&D from government, the private sector, and academia. But Kratzio said it can be hard to coordinate those AI research efforts government-wide. What's unique about the federal system of driving basic early stage research and development is we don't have a ministry of science. There isn't just one agency that doles out R&D dollars. We have this incredible network of agencies that do a wide variety of extraordinarily different things. So we have a National Science Foundation. We have DOE, the Department of Energy. We have agricultural labs. We have DARPA, DOD. We have IARPA and the IC community. And all these different pockets of, of research have their own sort of strengths and weaknesses and places that they can focus best on. Interagency communications on AI are improving. An executive order President Donald Trump signed in February created the Select Committee on Artificial Intelligence. That panel brings together the heads of all federal research agencies and keeps them in the loop with each other's work. The White House Office of Science and Technology Policy also released data in September showing about $2 billion invested in federal AI research. That's nearly double what the government spent on AI research just three years ago. The biggest spenders on AI research are the National Science Foundation, the Energy Department, and the National Institutes of Health. The National Science Foundation funds basic research and assembles panels of experts to review those ideas from researchers. But finding the right experts to study these proposals has gotten more difficult. Dorothy Aronson is the chief information officer at NSF and its chief data officer. 
She said the agency has turned to AI for the solution. It used to be that the ideas were sort of stovepipes, so there would be physics, and if you were a physicist, you, had a, you could find physicists. Um, but the new ideas are what's called, that are coming in are more convergent, so they mix different backgrounds together. So you might need physics and computer science or psychology and physics or whatever. So to find expert panels for those kinds of convergent research is very difficult because a physicist doesn't know the answer. So we've used AI to help suggest reviewers, panels of reviewers, based on the content of the proposals that come in. And that that was a great experiment. We thought it would take about two years and it took about six months. We didn't really work with the uh, IT shop. We worked with the people with the problems, and we collected a group of enthusiasts, and we made it happen. Neil Jacobs is the Assistant Secretary for Environmental Observation and Prediction, but also serves as the Undersecretary of Commerce for Oceans and Atmosphere at NOAA. His agency generates hundreds of terabytes of data every day. But in order to get a better handle on all that data, the agency is moving everything to the cloud and running AI algorithms to get better weather predictions in less time. The data that we're using in the models has a shelf life. If we can't get that data into the forecast model fast enough, it's useless because the forecast models kick off on a certain time. And we can't move those large files from where the downlink from the satellites to where we run the models. So currently, the state of the art is we effectively pick like every 10th grid point just to thin the file size down, which is a very unintelligent way to do it because we're trying to reduce the file size so we can move it in a reasonable amount of time. Using AI to more efficiently thin that file so we retain more information while also reducing the file size is one thing. The other reason why we're working with the commercial cloud vendors is so that we can do this storage, pre-processing of the satellite data, and running the model code where the data is. So we're trying to move the code to the data, not move the data to the code. For all the opportunities that AI presents, there are also challenges to rolling out AI tools as well. Jason Matheny is the director of Georgetown University's Center for Security and Emerging Technology. He's also the former director of the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Activity, or IARPA. He said the intelligence community has spent a lot of time looking at ways to use an adversary's AI tools against them. He said those include ways to trick AI into seeing something that's not really there. So you can get a tank that is covered with a sort of form of digital camouflage, that isn't visible or detectable by a human observer, but causes a machine learning classifier to think that it's a school bus or a porpoise or whatever. (laughs) Uh, A second category of vulnerabilities involves getting a model to learn the wrong thing. And so that could be a data poisoning attack in which you alter a critical portion of a training data set. It could be a training data set that's in the wild if it's an online learning system. And there, a surprisingly small amount of training data can have a substantial influence on the performance of a model. Lynn Parker is the Assistant Director for Artificial Intelligence at OSTP. She said the administration has had to walk a careful balance between moving the technology forward and making sure it's secure. So when you think about this balancing between the benefits and the potential risk, I think we have to look at it in terms of what the risks are. And you want to get it right. You don't want to go too far at one extreme. If you're so afraid to use the technology because something might go wrong, then you're squashing all of those good benefits as well. And so at the same time, if you only look at the benefits and you're naive about ways that the technology can lead to some unintended consequences, then we cause harm as well. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. 
While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision.